Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Analytical Fanboys. I am your host, The Vacuuminator, and I'm joined, as always, by the smiling and wiling Boingo Rider. I just recently got my uh, newest issue of uh, Sensible Chuckle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good book. Uh, and it, it's it's a joke and a good show that we're going to talk about called Danger 5. We're Shut up, the- Simeon. We're talking about Danger 5. Okay. Do you not remember that joke? No, 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 no. I know what that joke was. I was just waiting for you to take the initiative. <laughs> we're talking about Danger 5, an excellent TV show from Australia. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically... What if 60s American shows, but also 60s Japanese show at the same time? But also set in the 60s and in World War II at the same time. Really? I thought it was just set in World War II. No, no, no. It's World War II, but with all the aesthetics and trappings of the 60s. Okay, I thought it was just like this is this is what a sixty a show made in the sixties about World War Two would be like. There's a lot of layers. I I could tell. <laughs> um, real quick before we go any further into it, because we've already uh, kind of dived into it a tiny bit. Um, this is a show, in my opinion, that you need to go totally blind in. So we're about to start talking about it. If you have any interest in a show that's fun and goofy, great comedy, honestly, pretty good special effects for a very, 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 very limited budget. And And if you like Adult Swim style humor, that too, uh, go watch Danger 5 right now blind. If not, we're just going to start talking about it. So tune in. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna do the thing I usually do, which is, uh, state what I generally thought so that you can argue against it from the rest of the episode. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. I never got, like, super into it, but there were a lot of nice little moments, and I was generally like, yeah, yeah, this is a decent concept for a show. I'm sure a lot of people are really into this. I'm able to vibe with it. I'm not really into it. I can understand that. It takes a very specific Venn diagram to like get into it as much as I do, but I love this show. I I would never have guessed. Um essentially it's like we mentioned earlier, it's a World War II campy sci-fi spy thriller 60s mock-up thing where you fought we followed the danger five a elite team of uh, spies created by the allied nations featuring uh the leader an australian man i can't remember his name right the second uh you have opened up uh what do you call it imdb yeah um an uh english officer named clara and a russian operative named ilsa uh an American named Jackson, and a European named Pierre. Or Pedro. He has, he has multiple names. The Australian guy is named Tucker. Tucker. 
and they are basically tasked with subverting Hitler's plans to win the war um, through a variety of wacky scenarios and, as always, kill Hitler. Yep. Basically, any weird bullshit you, that it's often been rumored Hitler dabbled in in World War II, they do an episode on that and just kind of generally spoof the idea of a major military offensive trying to get into that and people trying to stop it. Well, also at the same time, spoofing things like Thunderbirds are go, Ultraman, Super Sentai to an extent. Like, uh, hell, even Star Trek. Yeah. Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. There's a... think, of, think of an old school like sci-fi show the kind of nudge and bump into it. Yeah, like their commander, the guy who reads off the uh, the uh, mission to them at the beginning of every episode is, or like, I guess the beginning of every series of episodes, because I wasn't quite, quite clear with how often the intro played. I'm guessing it's like a half hour episode that was chopped up into minisodes and aired that way originally. Um, the first episode that was on the list I sent you was, was done that way because it was a prologue, uh, prologue released on the internet. The rest okay. of them were aired on just as is, I'm pretty sure on Australian TV. Okay. But the, um, the because the intro played and it's kind of like a, a commercial catch. Okay. Uh, but the uh, the commander guy, who was just a dude in a blazer and a giant, like, papier-mâché eagle head, but has, like, this classic office director voice, is just so hilarious. And he only gets, like, one scene per episode, but he always kills it. Because it's there's, there's this, like, back and forth with him and Claire where he's just treating her like shit, and she's just trying to get a point in. And it's... It's that great kind of, like, 60s sexist humor that you can only get away with today when you're doing a thing that's made to be, like, a 60s thing. Yeah, and it's making fun of it in the whole nine yards. Like, every episode, she tries to interject, and she, like, I made the joke earlier, a reference to it, where the first time she did it is just, like, shut up, and repeated what she says. Yeah. But by the end of it, he just pulls out a shotgun blasts it in the air and goes like shut up we don't have time i love that i i laughed so hard at that one actually because everybody is trying to interrupt him that time and he does it and they all immediately sit down and then he like slowly puts it down is like now you all know how much i don't like to use the shut up gotten <laughs> that's just a hilarious phrase there's so many like great little Honestly, this show feels like like kind of like Buckaroo Banzai in that way. There's so many little things that make you go like, wow, this is fully realized as a concept, but we know nothing. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that because it does kind of that first episode is kind of a cold open of the three guys doing something stupid and then the commander is like, hey, people are get people in the top brass are getting pissed off at us. Uh, we need to put these two ladies on the team to kind of get you under control. And you could see where, like, maybe there was a in, – in the world where this was a show in the 60s, 
there was a first season where it was just those three guys. And then some, some producer went, ah, if we had a couple of pretty ladies in the show, our ratings would skyrocket. So they got inserted into the cast and this would be the second season in that universe. Yeah. 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 And there's just so many like great little elements. Like, they often uh, ADR dialogue for no good reason, just because it creates this disconnect between the lips and the the words being spoken. Yeah, because that's the way a lot of um, stuff from the 60s and 70s looks, because um, for a lot of countries for TV, they didn't roll sound on sets until like the mid 80s. Um, in fact, uh, fun fact, Super Sentai didn't start doing it until the 2010s. What? Okay. Yeah, if you watch uh, shows like Decca Ranger and Magi Ranger, and you pay close enough attention, you can tell they're dubbing in all the dialogue. Okay, weird. But um, each episode kind of also deals with like an old school pulpy sci-fi concept. Hmm. So there's an episode with bulletproof girls. Uh, an episode where. The, the Nazis had dinosaurs. Yeah, there's a there's a oh god, I'm trying to remember some of them now because it's it's been a bit. I watched all of this a little under a week ago in one sitting. Um, there's an episode where Hitler has golden guns. Yeah, the golden guns, and he's like, "This is how we're we're gonna beat them." Um, and the the season finale where he's got a bunch of giant monsters, which is obviously an allusion to tokusatsu even the um, fact that one of them is a tiger with a tank for a body yep very clearly a homage to tetsujin tiger 28 and then another one of them is literally a monster from the original ultraman like there's there's the tiger that here i'm going to send you an image um the tiger is on the uh left of the the just the nazi robot and on the right that monster is literally just a monster that was in a bunch of episodes of the original Ultraman and Ultra Q. Because I've seen both those shows, so I was immediately like, oh, it's that thing. Yeah. The, like, this show, it feels like is making fun and spoofing, going like, look how dumb all this shit was. But it's also, like, genuine in its appreciation of these old-school sci-fi shows. Yeah. Because they put effort into it. It's not like it's half-assed. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very much like we're trying to create a... It feels like the people who made this are people who grew up watching the, those types of shows and liked them and are, are now like... Because this show came out in 2011... So I don't I don't know how old the producers or like directors of it were, but I I like to imagine that they were like kind of up there and they were getting get and they're getting towards the end of their careers in TV and they're going let's just do stuff and fun that is like the stuff we grew up on because there's nothing remotely like that on TV right now. But like, I it. This is just an amazing. I just love the this whole thing because it is so ridiculous and nonsensical and dumb, and honestly, it makes fun of all the racist tropes and all the sexist tropes of the time. Like it's just really good. It's just a solid, good show. Yeah, 
Um, and there's also like some decent character arcs and stuff. Also, I did just Google them. One of the creators of the show is currently 79. So I think I'm right there. Huh. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the, there's like some good little character arcs where there's there's a couple of different romances, will they won't they type things going on. Um, there's the and one of them is also sort of a these two characters are learning to respect each other sort of a thing. And then there's just a, some other great gags that carry throughout the entirety of the series. Like they basically have their own. Oh my god, you killed Kenny in the form of the uh the one guy, I'm trying to remember his name. Of Jax no, not Jackson. What's not Jackson or Tucker? What's the other guy's name? Uh, Pierre. Yeah, Pierre. Of Pierre constantly running into old friends and then them dying and listing off the names of or like listing off instructions to really complicated drinks. And it's always the perfect whatever the name of the drink is. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's just a lot of great, solid shit. Yeah, it, it really... I I would say it feels like um, just a nice little gem of a show that you, you find. And it's not necessarily going to be super popular. It's not going to spawn a bunch of copycats. But it's it's nice. This is gonna be like a cult show in like a, a few years. I can I can see it like slowly gaining that dominance. And I've already seen like stuff from this crop up in other places. Like the like um, back when I was a frequent Tumblr user, I used to see the GIF of the from the final episode of the Hitler robot with the flaming chainsaw. That showed up all the time on posts. It's fucking great. Yeah, that is one of the best visuals in the whole show. Like, there's so many great little things that... Because the special effects are, the best way to put it, of era for the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's models, it's it's uh, scale sets, it's, it's things uh, like... goofy costumes, there's like toy toy vehicles for scale stuff. But it's done in a way that's, like, it's solid, and you acknowledge that, yeah, this is what it's like, but it's fun. You get into it. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a Doctor Who where some of the kitschy old effects make you go, like, oh, well, it was the BBC at the time. It's, it's a Super Sentai where you go, okay, that looks ridiculous because I live in 2019, but for the time, that's pretty impressive and cool looking. Yeah, like, I I love the dinosaur episode just because of stuff like the uh, the pterodactyl suit. Yeah, and it's so dumb and it's so great, and it's just a pterodactyl humping a woman and it's like, <laughs> it's it's properly ridiculous. And I love how none of the actors ever start like the perfect sign of a great parody is when the actors, or at least the main cast, take it seriously. They believe what is happening around them is real. They think they're in a serious drama, but there's all this ridiculous shit happening around them. And that's right there with all the members of Danger 5. Um, and also, 
all, a lot of the main villains have that too, like uh, Goebbels and the guy who plays Hitler is fucking fantastic. The guy who plays Hitler is the best. Mm-hmm. And he's not even doing the voice. It's another dude doing the voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell on set he's speaking in English. <laughs> yep. It's so great because... um. Apropos of nothing, uh, all the characters can understand every language being spoken, um, even if they're speaking German or Russian or French or anything. They all have subtitles and no one acknowledges it. Yep, because they're all from the United Nations. That's why they can understand all those languages. No other explanation is needed. Don't, Don't question it. It's like in Star Wars. Yeah, because the entire show, Ilsa speaks in Russian. Mm hmm. But, like, nobody acknowledges it. No one goes like, oh, what, speak English. It's just somebody, no- somebody will be like, uh, hey, Elsa, you want to you wanna come get a sandwich with me? And she'll go like, yes, that's the valia. And they'll be like, okay, cool. You have a nice nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's really, it, it's a neat little detail because they don't, it, it's like, I just like it. It's a cool little thing. There's so many nice things I like about the show. I love the ape men from the dinosaur episode. Yeah. Um, I really like how with Claire, uh, they, they do a lot of stuff with her. Like she, she's got sort of a, a romance. Will they, won't they slash we need, will we ever respect each other kind of a thing with Tucker, but then they also constantly do the damsel in distress trope with her, but it never comes off as icky. It's always like kind of hilarious. And she's always just like, oh, God damn it again. Okay, let's let's get this over with. Especially because 90% of the time it feels like she gets herself out. Yeah. And the men are also just as equally damselized. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in the, I believe it's in the penultimate episode. Tucker gets captured and is stuck in a submarine full of Italian sailors. And that shit's hilarious. Yeah, and they keep torturing him by making him drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's so many it's funny little... because it's racist no it's actually like, like honestly this sh- like this is a show that you watch and you understand oh they're doing this because they're making fun of the fact that anybody ever felt like this mm-hmm. like there's an entire episode called kamikaze men no it's uh super soldiers from the rising sun yeah um, and basically, the plot of the episode is Japan has been kidnapping Allied soldiers, brainwashing them, turning them Japanese, and then turning them into cyborgs mm-hmm. to fight the Allied nations. <laughs> and like they go full force on it, like the uh, like um they they bring in the the main uh, Tucker. It gets kidnapped and that happens to him and he's in a massage and they like lift him up and he turns around honestly in yellow face black wig eyeliner to make his eyes look slanted and he goes arigato yep like the full racist caricature but because you're in the mindset that they're making fun of it you go along with it and you go like this is so fucking dumb I love it yeah and like honestly it never feels hateful because they never use like racial epithets or anything like that. They're just like, oh, those silly German weirdos or 
something like that. Like, and to be honest, I, I I'm sure this is probably a kind of controversial thing to say, but I think if any show in the 2010s could get away with using word terms like zipperhead and the N word, this would be it. But they very classically stay away from that. Yeah, no, like they they know the line they're treading of okay, we are using a lot of old racist stereotype and jokes, but we are doing this to make fun of them, not to indulge in them. Yeah. And like there's this is really cool. I'm just like I wish more shows had this kind of fun and energy with themselves. Mm-hmm. Because like they 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 know what they're doing. They're only going so far, and it's not like they're uh, they're they're not trying. Like I always say, they know what they got, and they're only trying to make the best of what they have. Yeah. Like I kind of want to make a show like this in terms of like special effects and aesthetic and acting choices. Oh, yeah, and it, it definitely is something I think a lot of people could get away with making. Like, it it doesn't look like it costs any more than something like, say, Kung Fury. Oh, yeah. And that's that's part of the beauty of it. I think if this had, like, really high production values, um, like, say if this was, like... Say if this um, was, like, a, 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 an equivalent, a modern-day toku. Yeah, if if this was like that, or I was thinking something like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films, if you had that kind of budget, it wouldn't be the same. Like part of the reasons, part of the reason people don't like Abrams Trek is because it's trying to recapture the classic feel of the original TV series, but it has none of those aesthetics. Yeah, like you can tell that the sets they're on were built over the course of a week. Yeah. And they reuse a lot of footage because, A, they probably didn't have the budget to do more, but also because that's what they did in the past. Because every episode, when Hitler escapes, it's the same clip of him running out of a goddamn window. Yep. No matter where they are, it's always the same exact window. Mm -hmm. Also, oh my god, look, it's Hitler's dog! (laughs) Guys, Tita's hunt! <laughs> like there's I some just, great ugh. running jokes. Mm-hmm. Hitler's Hound is one. Um, like, and they never try to like. They never get old. So you have repeated jokes like again, yeah, Pierre. Uh, uh, someone is always dying in his arms, giving him a cocktail. And in the last episode, it's a cartoon dog who they never brought up, and he's just there as a member of the Danger Five. Yeah, they act like he's always been there, like he's a scrappy-doo type character. Yeah, like, honestly, that's kind of what he is. That's what they're referencing. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden, oh, there's a, there's a talking dog, but he dies. <sighs> just in the fact that 90% of Hitler's private guard are scantily clad women. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this is very much... Like, you can place this in the time it came out, and you wouldn't second-guess it. you go like, wow, that's a little bit more filthy than I thought a TV show at the time would be, but, you know, maybe this was on a, aired in a very specific place. Yep. But, uh... What was your favorite character? 
I'm probably honestly going to have to go with Claire. Like, she she felt like the most fully formed member of the cast going just in, like, uh, tra- traditional writing sense. Um, funniest member of the cast, though, would be Jackson. Like, he, he probably had the most consistent um, laughs for me. I can say that. I like Tucker just because of just how upper crust and, like, stiff upper lip he is, but he's not British. Oh yeah, Tucker's great, and he just has such a look. Like, oh yeah, the, the blue, the like bright blue sweater and the perfectly coiffed ginger hair is just like aesthetic, man. And because he's kind of playing the straight man in the group, him and Claire, he has some great reactions, especially like during um, the episode with the dinosaurs. Uh, fucking. Um, Pierre plays some uh, Caribbean rhythms mm-hmm. and he just starts going mad and insane and just shoots the, the hi-fi and goes, if you play that again, I'll kill you. Yeah. But he learns to appreciate the syncopated rhythms by the end of the episode. <laughs> With uh, the jazz monkeys. <laughs> The fucking jazz monkeys. That shit was ridiculous. Cause mm, yeah, guy, what's up? Yeah, we gotta diminish fourth and play the fifth. Like all their dialogue is just talking music, and it's and it's music theory, but it's like ninety percent techno babble. Yeah. Uh. Like there's I'd, just... I'd love to see somebody cosplay the jazz monkeys too. That's such a good look. It's such a, like, there's so many things I'd love to, like, if there was a diehard fandom for this, which there is, there's diehard uh, Danger 5 fans, but I would just love a group of people cosplay Danger 5 and another person cosplays Hitler, and they just chase him through a con. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Like, there would be so many people who go, like, why the fuck are you dressed like Hitler? He goes, no, 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 I'm not dressed as Hitler, I'm dressed as Hitler! There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, there, like, I just really dig the show. And I'm glad you at least liked it enough. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good times. I don't know if I would ever go and watch the whole rest of it. But it's definitely something I could see myself dipping into again some at some point in, like, the, the not-too-distant future. Well, one, if I may spoil the second season, the second season is completely different. Oh? It's not in the 60s. Really? It's in the 80s. Why didn't you start me with that? Because you gotta understand this. Because, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you're gonna watch it, but uh, if you will, one day. Um, essentially, uh, Colonel Chestbridge, the eagle-headed guy gets assassinated and killed by Hitler and Danger 5, who have been disbanded, regroup to find Hitler and kill him and save Christmas. Hell yeah. Every episode, because every movie in the 80s was set in Christmas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it was directed by, um, oh god, what's his name? The Iron Man free guy who sets all his movies at Christmas. Shane Black. Yeah, it was <laughs> Danger 5 Season 2 was directed by Shane Black. Um, 
the whole this whole production was created by a dinosaur, which uh, if you don't know who Dinosaur is, you may know them by another show that they created, uh, Italian Spider Man. You're fucking my ass. No, they created Italian Spider Man because there's another person by the same name, David Ashby, uh, who is a, the right age to have been growing up this content. David Ashby is n- not that guy, though. David Ashby is someone completely different. Huh. David Ashby is... Uh, so first off, one of the creators is uh, Dario Russo, who looks like this. Yeah, I've seen his picture. I've been Googling around. Uh. And the other guy is David Ashby. Here's his IMDb. I'll be honest, Dario Russo looks like Fabio if Fabio never realized his potential as a model and worked an office job. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure he plays the guy at the end who does all the commercials. Hmm. Because at the end of every episode, they have this show is presented to you by a a made-up product. Homaging old ads where they would always be directly sponsoring. Um, they they'd be directly sponsored by a single product rather than having commercial breaks. And the best part of it is, it's not like it's on in its own different set. It's in the set of the show, and the camera yeah, the just camera pans will just over. slightly pan over, and there'll be a guy like sitting at a wet bar, like drink this liquor, and it fe- always feels like. That he's always there, and we just never notice him. Yeah. It's great. Especially because it's like dumb things like pre-lit matches. <laughs> it's it's the kind of ads you would see on NWA Power. But Honestly, not, like... But slightly less... Inte- like, more classy than that. It, no, this is, like, this is the stuff that... This is a different era of commercials that they're trying to emulate compared to NWA because NWA is like 80s, buy our shit, buy our local car. Over the top ridiculous. And this is like classy, but with a stupid product. Oh, yes. Like, there's just so many great things in this entire, entire show. Mm-hmm. Also, they just. It's a big part of why I said I, I could see this airing on Adult Swim because because you said that about NWA Power and it like instantly clicked in with me that like, oh yeah, these are kind of the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. This is like this show, NWA Power, and like if we had one more, uh Tim and Eric's. Yeah, Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric and Between Two Ferns. If you put all of those four shows in like a block, it would be the best dumb era of tv yeah it would just be fantastic it's it's a very distinct kind of humor slash homage media that like doesn't happen super often but whenever it does you smile and you give a sensible chuckle yes Mm. but like there's so much of just the special effects and like I say special effects, it's like genuine. They don't use computer imaging at all. They use classic models on fishing wire and models and that kind of stuff that I just want to use in my own shit. Like if I go further with storytelling in my videos, 
it's going to have this kind of aesthetic. Hmm. Not necessarily the 60s style. Like, I would do it as, like, the 90s cyberpunky vapor-wavy version of it, but, like... But it's it's the made-for-$25 aesthetic. Yeah, but you actually try, and you put as much effort into it as possible, and you wring everything you can out of that $25. Yeah. You, you, go, you go to the five and the dime, and you shop like a motherfucker. Yeah. But, man, this is, like, one of those shows that I wish more people knew about. And especially because it's Australian comedy, it just makes me go, like, fuck, how much Australian comedy have we in America been missing out? Because there's this. Uh, there's this. There's, belt face. Um, uh, oh, God, I forgot his name. The, the guy who says cunt a lot. Every Australian. Yeah, but the, the specific comedian one, Jim Jeffries, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. People love Jim Jeffries, myself included. Like, this is just, this just makes me go like, shit, I want to look up more Australian comedy because this is just right up my alley. Yeah. Do what else they've done. Yeah. Uh, Australia is a, is a cool place and they make good shit. Um, I mean, I used to watch a lot of Blunty on YouTube. I'm sure five people listening to this remember that. You know, five out of six. Chris, do you know who the fuck Blunty is? No. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about Danger 5? Because I feel like we're starting to go in a circle here. Um, Quick rundown of memorable gags that I really love. Uh, while being asked, while protecting the Statue of Liberty, a soldier looks at Jackson and says, Hey, are those the new menthol uh, cigarettes that coat your lung and protect you from poison gas? And Jackson just looks at him and goes, Yes, and doesn't hand him a cigarette. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> it's so fucking. Um, things I also want to mention, like uh, the bad guy of the second to last episode. I can't remember who he was supposed to be, but um, throughout the entire episode, they basically make reference and hint that he's a gay man, but they never make it a gay joke. Hmm. That and for like a show that is weird and outlandish as this, I was like, oh, that's classy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good shit, and, um, it's just really fun. Uh, quick, because I already uh, mentioned, uh, season two a little bit. I just want to bring this up for you, because I'm, I don't think we should put, uh, I don't, do you want to put season two on the list? I didn't enjoy this enough that I feel like we need to do another episode on it. Okay, but, uh, real quick, uh, Pierre... Couldn't come back for the second season. He had prior uh, prior things. So they recast him. Oh? Yes, with a black man. Oh! <laughs> That's great. So they have, the, they have the token black guy in their 80s show. Yep, but they never mention it, never reference it, and when they do a flashback, he was able to come back for the flashback. That's great! Oh my god! <laughs> it's so, like... Danger 5 is definitively, like, what if a bunch of YouTubers had a TV budget and could put something on TV? Yeah. Like, it's that attitude of, like, fuck it. You know, it feels like, it almost feels like what YouTube Originals was supposed to be, or what we all wanted it to be. 
Yeah, just higher budget YouTube shit. Mm-hmm. Like instead of I'm not the biggest... doing an interview show and Jake Paul making weird movies that feel like YA novels and fucking a Karate Kid sequel for some reason. I've heard okay things about that. I haven't watched it. I have as well, but I haven't even I I haven't seen any of the Karate Kid movies. Not not even the remake. So I have zero investment in it. Yeah, like. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Filthy Frank, but imagine if Filthy Frank had a full budget to make yeah. something. Oh, That'd yeah. have been fucked up. Hmm. Or imagine, like, Jobby. Hmm. Or, like, uh, uh, Cow Chop. Uh, they're, they're really funny YouTube guys who I get into every once in a while. I'm sure if you gave those guys a TV budget, they'd come up with something akin to this. Oh, yeah. Like, that's partially also why I want to bring this to my YouTube aesthetic. But I'd have no money, no equipment, no capital whatsoever. One yeah. day, one day, one day. We'll, we'll get there. You and me. We're going to we're going to go down this road together and eventually either we're going to crash into a wall and burn to death or uh we'll cross that finish line. Hell yeah. Keep listening and find out which. <laughs> uh and, right. uh, hey, you ready to find out what the next installment of our continuing adventures is going to be on? Yes. Okay, next time on Analytical Fanboys, we're going to be discussing the original 2005 series of Gato. All right. I remember. Yes, this is a this is a twenty five episode tokusatsu series from the mind of a director named Keita Amamiya that spawned what is today the fourth biggest tokusatsu franchise in Japan. And in my opinion, those original twenty five episodes are a masterpiece done in one story. So I'm very interested to get Chris's thoughts on them and maybe expose some of our viewers to it. I don't know how many people listen to this and also experience the things we talk about if they haven't already experienced that would be be interested to talk about that i don't know leave a comment on our web zone if you do that so next time we'll talk about garo and remember kill hitler yes kill hitler um and maybe slay some horrors while you're at it but for right now chris why don't you tell me what you listened to this week well uh, like I've been saying, I've been getting into the hippity hoppity. God, that was the whitest thing I've ever said. Yeah, I wasn't going to point it out, but you know. Um, but, uh, while mowing, I listened to some, uh, MF Doom, uh, specifically his album, uh, King Ghidra. I am saying the album name right, even though the actual character is Ghidorah. I've heard uh, people call him Ghidorah and Ghidra. I'm okay with either pronunciation. Well, the album is specifically spelled out, so it's Ghidra. Okay. Where he basically raps as a alien monster coming to rule the world. Okay. And it's really dope. It's really kind of dope. It's a bunch of dope shit. Uh, I also listened to Aesop Rock's uh, Kirby. Hmm. And two more clipping songs, uh, Shooter and their newest song released at the time, All In Your Head. How was that? It's dope. I'm definitely loving the aesthetic they're going for the new album because 
their last album was kind of a rock opera about a dude in space. This new one, I don't think there's a direct story, but it definitely feels like there's like an 80s slasher theme. Hmm. Which is really cool, and I'm digging that, especially because I like, especially because I started watching a couple. They're not horror channels, but they're spoopy horror. The, you know the the difference between actual horror and spoopy. Spoopy is horror, but it's not really scary. Yeah. So, like the video I watched today was of a person describing the classes of ghosts that the Ghostbusters uses. Nice. Which was like, shit, deep lore for Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> it's the sure. Dark Souls of 80s comedies. Yeah. Um, but I also really want to quick tell you what Kirby is about. Okay. Aesop Rock's Kirby is about his pet kitten. Okay. Like, legit, is a well-crafted, deeply lyrical song full of metaphor and and rhyme scheme, and all that shit about his pet cat. That's very legit. Yeah, and but like the reason why he's kind of obsessing over his cat is there's a cool line, because he's always talked about mental illness and that kind of stuff in his songs, um, where he says, he talked to his therapist, and after all these years of taking pills, his therapist goes, I don't know, maybe get a kitten? Basically, <laughs> he got a cat to basically help with his mental health, and he, he, it has, apparently, and he's writing a song about him. That's great. Good for him. Yeah. It's, it's a dope song. So what have you been listening to? Well, uh, I hope you're nice and comfortable because I listened to a fuck ton of shit this week. Um, so Let me guess. 80% I... dad rock. Yeah, more like 30. Okay, damn. Yeah. Uh, Spreading I... your horizons. I listened to a whole bunch of stuff. I actually had to cut out a ton of crap because I usually just write down everything. But there was a good bit like that was just like generic YouTube library music that I was getting out of my Watch Later playlists, and I don't really have anything to say about it. So we're just going to talk about the stuff that I might have a thing or two to say about or stuff that I have a lot to say about. So I listened to a bunch of Kevin McLeod music, uh, State of Course, Deep and Dirty, Celebration, Realizer, and Lotus were all of the songs. Uh, if you don't know who Kevin McLeod is, he makes good music that you can use in your videos that also, nine times out of ten, is worth listening to outside of videos. Uh, Working for a Living and I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the News because I realized I'd never seen the videos for those before. Um, and then because we got so into the idea of more like orchestrated versions of classic songs, I went looking for that. And the first thing I found and the only thing I've listened to so far was the symphonic version of Take On Me by AHA. Perfect. Yeah, it's fucking great. I'd recommend looking it up. Um, Hardware Store by Weird Al, because I keep finding Weird Al songs that I've never heard before, even though I thought I'd heard most of Weird Al's catalog. Have you heard Albuquerque? I think so, yes. Okay. Um, Hardware Store is fucking fantastic, though. I've never heard anybody talk about it before, but it's great. Okay, you, so you know how Weird Al does style parodies, where it's not directly doing a song, but he's kind of mocking the general style of an artist? Yes. Dare to be stupid is Devo, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. 
hardware store is Oingo Boingo. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, I didn't catch it, but that makes so much sense. <laughs> because, and I guess I'll just skip to this. I listened to my first Oingo Boingo song, <gasps> Private Life. Ooh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. I, I definitely think I want to check out more in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, real quick, I'm a huge Oingo Boingo fan. For anybody who hasn't figured that out yet. <laughs> Genuinely, that is one of my favorite Boingo songs. Uh, it it connects to me on a deep level. Also, the music video features a lot of uh, German Impressionist uh, filmmaking styles. So. Oh, yeah, that video is great. Oh, yeah, perfect. Um, and then, uh, okay, let's just keep doing stuff that might make you pop. Fear and Delight by The Correspondence. Oh, that's a good song. I loved that. Uh, genuinely, that's that's one of the best songs I've heard in a while. Um, it's a very inventive take on Electro Swing. Yeah. Uh, Faith by Ghost. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Let's see anything else on here that might make you pop? <laughs> You're getting no. to the music I've been suggesting, and you've been putting on your playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Love Your Parabola by DJ Cumberbund. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Your core. Uh, totally stupid by Andrew WK. Uh, Andrew WK. Yeah. Uh, Tucson Train by Bruce Springsteen, his latest song, which I really did like. I, I'm like I'm liking a lot of the stuff off of his new album. Yeah, that's good. Um, bunch of Kuro Kuro Benito songs I'd never heard before. Dump, Rest Stop, If I'd Known, and Only Acting. Mm. I need to get, like, I like Kuro Kuro Benito, but, like, Honestly, it feels too sugary sometimes, so I can only listen to, like, one or two songs at a time. Yeah, I get that. A lot of their stuff, like, I think they have four albums, and two of their albums, the two albums in the middle are super sugary. The first one, which is where most of the songs I listened to this week came from, is actually kind of weird and, like, not experimental, but, like, it's trying to fuck with you kind of a thing. Yeah. And then... Kind of like uh, Poppy's new material. Yeah, and then their most recent album, at least what I've heard of it, is really somber. Um, Like, Swimming is probably my new favorite song by them, and that's the lead single off of the new album. Um, uh, But then I listened to some Japanese shit. Battle Game by the Kamen Rider Girls and Rider Chips. Uh, That was the theme to the the X Aid Pac Man movie and it's extremely good. Are uh, Common Rider Girls still a thing? Like, are they still a, a thing? They're still a thing, but they hardly ever do new material anymore. Okay. Uh, they're one of those idol groups that just stays in a club and people go and buy merch. Yeah, kind of. Um, Cardinal of Eternity, which was, I believe, was the Common Rider Brave theme. It's okay. Real Game by Rayflower, which is uh, Paradox's theme and is really, really good. I would recommend checking that out if you haven't heard it. Um, Go Go Dino, Dino Robo by Yatsuda Saburo. Uh, that's been sitting in my Watch Later playlist forever because I watched uh, Dynaman a long time ago. It's, it's a classic Sentai Robo theme. Uh, 
And then some some back on songs. Uh, One Step, uh, Departure, Sands of Time, Cerulean, Mirrors, Flower, A Day Dreaming, and Dear Me. Uh, all mid-tier back on songs. Yeah, you know, happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, that's everything I listened to this week. So fairly massive week for me as far as music goes. Oh, yeah, especially because you kind of branched out a little bit. So there's things you haven't really dived into. But yeah, dope. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. I enjoyed it. Uh, but what uh, watchings have you been enjoying this week, Mr. Wonder Rider? I didn't get the chance to watch a ton of shit because I've been helping out. Uh, with some things around the house and some neighbor things, and I've been wa- uh, watching the archive of Pro Jared's Final Fantasy Let's Play mm. that he's been doing on Twitch. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so I've been watching that, hyping myself up for his new video. But I have watched uh, Go Dinar Episode 2, uh, the final episode of Wu-Tang American Saga, and uh, Future GPX Episode 9. Nice. Uh, how, how's that, uh, Gotang going? The, uh, the Go Dinar. Basically, hey, the best way to put it is take, like, a 70s Super Robo show and add, like, a bunch of etchy and attempt at adult drama, and that's kind of what you have. Hmm. And it's, it's good. I'm liking it, but it's not, like, trying to be... It's not trying to be, like, high mecha art. It's not trying to be Gundam. It's not trying to be Ava. It's not trying to be anything more than what it is. Oh, yeah, no. A robot show to sell toys. A robot show to sell toys and have scantily clad women and sexually uh, suggestive robot shit. Well, I mean, for some people, that's all you want. Oh, yeah. No, like, it's not, and it's good for what it's trying to be. And that's a good thing. Because yeah. essentially the, the story is this badass mecha pilot um, got his girlfriend or wife killed and he goes like, nope, shit, not doing it because to form like the big super special robot, it's got to be between a dude and a woman. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to be a backup pilot and help out. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but on the night, uh, on the last night he was a big main pilot, he saved uh, a girl and she fell in love with him, and she pursued him, and eventually they started dating, they got married, he's still not a major pilot, and then monsters start attacking again, and she basically gets into a different robot, and they form the big mega super robot, and episode two is all of them going, no, I don't want you to do this, I don't want you in danger, I don't want any of this to happen to you, uh, and doing all that kind of shit, and she's going like, Fuck you! I'm a strong, independent woman, and I can do this shit. Let me. Wait, what year did this come out? Um, I wouldn't sing its praises because it did come up early 2000s, maybe 1999. Uh, but the girl is in high school. Oh, and the dude is implied to be late 20s or 30s. Another home run for Japan. And. His boss is the girl's mother. So I'm going to put this show on my to-watch list. (laughs) It's a good show. Beautifully animated as well. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yeah, but like all the men are like macho and handsome and all that kind of stuff. 
and all the women are like big boobs and beautifully drawn and all that kind of thing. So hmm. it's very much in a way it's kind of similar to what we just watched danger five. Yeah. I was going to say if you hadn't already told me that the release date, I would have guessed this was an 80s show. Oh, it's evoking that thing. Even the mecha, even the super robot designs are very much that kind of, uh, Mazinger getter robo kind of cylindrical design of a robot. Hmm. It's really cool. Nice. So what uh, have you been watching? Well, uh, I've been doing a heavy amount of YouTube in this week because I've had I've had a good amount of off time because I'm unemployed. Um, so is fifty percent of the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I went and uh, I've just been marathoning a shit ton of like best of the worst and review a lot of red letter media shit, specifically going for things that focus on spoopy media because I don't know why I've just come to associate them with like uh, scary, scary stuff in Halloween times. That's that during the fall is when I tend to watch a lot of red letter media. Um, And it makes sense. I mean, they're they're, um The two guys, the two main guys, uh, Jay and Mike are both film buffs and Jay is like really into obscure horror films. So that, that stuff gets talked about a lot and they watch a lot of cheesy, badly made movies. And Hey, guess what? A lot of badly made movies tend to be horror movies. Um, And uh, uh, I've I've really been enjoying a lot of the reviews I've been seeing. Like they have a lot more horror reviews than I thought. um, And I'm learning so much from them. Like a lot of, a lot of horror YouTube is just saying the same shit over and over again. But they get into like some obscure nitty gritty detail that I never would have found otherwise, which is really fun. I'd recommend checking out their uh, their reviews on Reanimator and From Beyond, and the one they did on Day of the Dead. Those are all really good. That's good. Um, and uh, uh, I've been getting back into cow chop, specifically like classic house era cow chop, because. I kind of fell off of it when uh, James Wilson, Uber Hatcher Nova left the channel for very understandable reasons, but like he was kind of the life of the party to me, in my opinion, when it came to that channel. Uh, so I just didn't want to watch anymore when I heard he was leaving. Um, but I've been watching some of that, that old early house era stuff again. And God, it is just hilarious. Cause it's just all like very simple setup and concepts for show. Like, we buy each other wacky shit off of Amazon. We take the Rocks Diet Challenge. We try to cook stuff with shitty, defective uh, cooking gloves. And uh, let, let's just put random shit into the YouTube search bar. And, it, and it's always, like, just them riffing on that at infinitum in, like, the most, not juvenile, but kind of just, like, a whole hilariously dumb 20-something way. Like, it's very much a channel about a bunch of college age guys in a, stuck in a house together doing stupid shit. And that just tends to tickle my funny bone a whole lot. That's good. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend checking out early cow chop if you haven't. Um, and then uh, as far as TV stuff goes, I've gotten back on the common writer blade train. I've watched episodes 16 through 23 uh, pretty decent stuff going on there with the uh, introduction of the fourth writer in the show 
who is actually a really interesting and unique character common writer. I've I've never heard anybody talk about Langle before because that that's the best English way I could come up with pronouncing that name. But he's a pretty interesting character. I like all the development they've been giving Garen as kind of his mentor. And um, there's also stuff going on with Callus and Blade. I'm not exactly sure where any of that's going, but it seems interesting. So I'm giving it the benefit of that. Also, just some really fun villains recently. And uh, then I did my, uh, my, of course, my weekly helping of Transformers Cyberverse and Kamen Rider Zero One. And the Power Rangers Beast Morphers Halloween special aired in the U.S. this week. So I thought I'd finally get around to watching that. Is it better than the Saban era Halloween specials? I'd say it's about on par with the better holiday specials. Like, there were some, like, there's one infamously bad special from the Saban era, but none of them other than that one, are, like, terrible. They're all, like, just passable, decent episodes, and this is along that line. Um, Okay. I will say that, like, the justification they have for using the clip show format this time is probably the weakest it's ever been. Yeah. Clip shows are always going to have a weak premise of doing it. Yeah, but the last few years they've done, like, sort of clever stuff of, like, Oh, here's a here's a witch, and you look into her pot, and it shows you images of the past and future. Or we have Santa's magic computer that evaluates people's behavior over the last year and sees if they're naughty or nice. So we can show clips that way by going over each ranger and seeing whether they're naughty or nice. And um, this episode, it's just like, oh, everybody's forgotten who they are, and they think they're their Halloween costumes. So Red Ranger has to dress up as various characters and try to tell the Ranger about their actual self, but in character. And that triggers clips. And then it's like, oh, I remember now. You told me three things and then a bunch of clips played. I remember who I'm supposed to be. That that you're not sending it. You're not describing this episode in a way that makes me ever enticed to watch it. Uh, it's it's not a must watch. I don't think they do anything really to tie into to the larger plot of the season. So you you could very easily skip it if you wanted to. I had fun with it though. I wonder if Hasbro wanted to do that or if that was like a Nickelodeon mandate. <laughs> I, I I think stuff like the two season format is. Pr- is definitely a Nickelodeon mandate because like uh, they're not calling the second season super beast morphers. That's officially confirmed. It's just beast morphers season two. So I think like on that level, it was Saban um, like wanting the two seasons to be distinct. Uh, But I think Nickelodeon has that official review rule of like all, all of their shows have to be, um, 20, 20 to 22 episodes a season like in there that's a dumb rule mm-hmm. Hasbro needs to get Power Rangers off of Nickelodeon yeah um, thing is like I don't know where it would go other than that people always go like oh put it, just put it on Netflix just put Power Rangers on Netflix but not, like, enough of a, not enough people would watch Power Rangers on Netflix yeah um and, like, I would say Cartoon Network, but, like, live-action shows on Cartoon Network are never a good idea. And, and you could say Adult Swim, but, like, ugh. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a conundrum because uh, you don't want to put it back on like network TV. And the only other kids station through cable that's available is like one of the various Disney channels and that shit ain't happening. No. Nah. Hmm. I don't know. It's uh it's one of those things where it's not in a terrible situation where it's at, but it definitely could be better. Yeah, it it just it just feels like networks are it feels like a network executive was trying to make their mark on shows, not to make the shows better just so they can have this the the fact that they made something happen on a show. Yeah. Um well, uh, th- that's everything I watched this week. What did you read, Chris? Or Boingo? Or whatever I'm supposed to call you right now? Hi, I'm Boingo! <laughs> uh, no, I wa- I read uh, Pujo to uh, Yaju, which is a... There's only two chapters of it out and translated. It's a shoujo manga about a girl who starts crushing and currently in the in the story is flirting with a professional wrestler who is portrayed, who plays a heel, but he's a really sweet dude in real life and is adorable. Yeah. I saw you post that in uh, four color phonies the other day. I wanted to check that out. How is it? It's good. It's really, it's really cute. It's really adorable. Um, and in very similar to Godinar, the dude seems to be in like early twenties, mid twenties. Uh, and she's a high school girl. Oh, Japan. Yeah, uh, but they're immediately bringing it up, and she goes like, "Wait, does he know I'm a minor?" Mm. Because the way they meet is she, uh, she's like one of her, his biggest fans, and she's one of the few people who tweets some sweet things because he's a heel, so he gets a lot of shit, and he appreciates that. It's like, oh, thank you. I wonder if anybody's ever asked that about Finn Balor. Because people know he got laid like crazy in Japan. So I wonder if anybody's ever been like, do you ever find out that like somebody you were going to sleep with was a high school girl and then you had to frag out of there? Probably. <laughs> Probably <laughs> happened. Uh, Immortal Hulk uh, 25, the latest issue. Uh, another manga, uh, Kuromi Can't Use a Smartphone. Uh, all of the chapters have been translated. Um and 2000 AD issue 2151. I saw something on uh, the the social medias today. Did Spider-Man become the Hulk or something? Um, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah, but I'm like, not, I'm not sure what exactly it was, but I saw somebody post something like that, and I was like, "What? What's going on, Immortal Hulk? Do I have to message Chris about this?" No, in the latest issue of Immortal Hulk, essentially we see the universe after the main Marvel one, because Marvel universe, the Marvel universes work as a, 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 a recycle. So mm-hmm. one universe ends, another begins, and one being from the previous universe becomes new universes Galactus. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the one low wall, who is like ultra super mega satan in the marvel universe basically possesses the hulk's body makes it so he's the last surviving member of the previous universe goes into the next universe and doesn't become the eater of worlds but the destroyer of worlds and he just goes around the universe and lariats goddamn planets very plain 
um, and he's giant. And the whole issue is from the perspective of like these aliens creature species that we have no con- context for. There's nothing like they're they look like giant blobs um, and all this kind of stuff. You can't pronounce their name, anything like that. And they're trying to figure out like, oh shit, we need to send a message to the past to warn them about the breaker of worlds. And then at the end, they're at the last star of the universe and you see a green light coming, storming toward them. And it's the Hulk with eyes lit to blaze and he's destroying planets in his way. And then he comes up to the alien creature and the captions say, the alien creature sees the face of the breaker of worlds but he does not know what a smile looks like. And it's the Hulk with just an evil smile going like, fuck yeah, I get to break shit. But they did get to send the message to the past warning of the Hulk. And they sent it to the leader. Oh dear. Yep. Oh man, Immortal Hulk is taking a character that's always been kind of terrestrial and only recently kind of become cosmic and going full cosmic with him. Excellent. Right. Yep. It's really good. What have you read? Uh, well, since you brought it up a few episodes ago, I decided I would finally give the Barsoon series another try. So I've read A Princess of Mars for the second time, and uh, I still like it a good bit. Um you know, it's a bit drier than I remembered, but uh, it, it's it's classic sci-fi, so you ca- you kind of have to be ready for that. And uh, yeah. it's it's a decent tale. Um, I I I liked it a good bit, and I'm I'm a bit of a way into the Gods of Mars so far, so uh, it looks like we'll be able to keep that going. But uh, I'll t- I'll give my thoughts on it after I finish it. Um, also read uh, Supergirl Volume 1, Last Daughter of Krypton. That's the uh, the first trade of the New 52 Supergirl stuff, which I happened to find for like 10 bucks while I was at a bookstore the other day, so I figured I'd, fi- I'd uh, finally go and start buying those. And uh, holy crap, I forgot how good that early New 52 Supergirl stuff is. It's, uh, it's Which version of Supergirl is it? Because there's like a bunch of different concepts of Supergirl. It's Kara Zor-El. It's the classic, like, I'm the cousin of Superman, but I came in a, a, a crypto chamber and stayed the same age while he grew up. Yeah, but it, it's like, this This one is really smart because it's not like she lands there and instantly they they become friends and they're like, oh, we're family, we love each other, and she gets shunted off somewhere for training. It's like, she mistrusts the fuck out of everything. She doesn't, she, for the first issue... She thinks she's in some kind of simulation or she's having a nightmare. And then Superman shows up and starts speaking Kryptonian, trying to calm her down. And she's like, you, your accent doesn't sound right. And there's no way you could be my cousin because I was holding my cousin as an infant in my arms like five hours ago. This is fucking crazy. I'm getting out of here. And then she tries to fly back to Krypton and makes it all the way to Argo and discovers like the remains of her old home and like has the realization suddenly shunted on her and then finds out that a bunch of genetically engineered super weapon people from Krypton survived the instruction, the destruction 
They beat the shit out of her and then go, we're going to go take over Earth because we were watching you when you arrived on that place and it looked pretty cool. And so she has to go back and save the day. Nice. That's a good little origin, like re-origin story for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm, d- I'm definitely looking forward to picking up the second trade again, because if I remember right, the next thing they do is she meets Silver Banshee before Silver Banshee is a villain in this continuity, and they get on really well. Um, and I remember really liking that stuff. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to rereading some more of this. Dopage, dopage. Yeah. Uh, how's the Gundam going? Uh, good. The new, the new event's pretty dope. Uh, I'm still having trouble with uh, polls, but a lot of people, like a lot of the fan base, has is a little bit like, eh, these pools are fucked up. I don't like them. So yeah, I imagine once you get a ways into the thing, the polls stop getting good. Yeah. And he, he still gets some. It's just I haven't gotten any of the rarer uh, drops. So, mm-hmm. but of course, I'm also never gonna put money into this game. So yeah, I don't care. It's just it's just fun to watch robots fight and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I put money into a phone game once, and it was probably the most unfulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I would never like. Here's the thing, free mobile games, fuck the money, but there are some, like, free computer games, free console games that I can see, like, you know what, I can understand the, the money-making model of this, and I'm okay with it, like, like, um, there's a fighting game for the Xbox, I can't remember what its name is. Don't ask me. I know shit all about fighting games except Smash Bros. and also uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter exist. But uh, there's a fighting game for the Xbox. And basically, the game is free and you get a couple characters. But if you want the rest of the characters, you play like a DLC fee for them. That's fine, because if, if you only want a couple of the characters, you don't want all of them, that's reasonable. But if you want one them all, you can get it, and then it just becomes like a DLC pack. That's a reasonable thing for me. Or there's like, uh, my friend plays Warframe a lot. And that's a free game, but you can basically speed up certain things, buy some aesthetics, but never gameplay mechanics. And a lot of the the things you can buy are actually like fan-made skins. And the money goes back to the fans who created it. So that's like, that's reasonable yeah. for me. I'm okay with that. That's fine. So free games aren't the problem. I think it's just because free games on mobile have a direct line to your credit card. That makes yeah. it a little bit, a little bit easier for companies to go like, you know what, let's just kind of mm-hmm. scum our way through this. And there's also the the whole thing of the difference between pay to enhance the game and pay to win. Yeah. Um, I've still been playing a little bit of Castlevania. haven't picked it up a ton this week. But since we're talking about games, I want to mention real quick, have you seen the Bethesda shit? Yeah, that's fucked. Uh, a game that people have already paid for with barely any content, you now have the choice to pay a hundred bucks a year in order to get all the content that was supposed to be in the game originally. 
Hmm. Oh boy. It's like when they did the oh god, what was that that Metal Gear game that became that came out before Phantom Pain and was only like ten minutes long? Um that was I can't remember what it was. It was Bump and Phantom Pain. Metal Gear Hold on. Hold yeah, on. but that, that game came out and it was like, yeah, this is decent, this is fun, but it's sixty dollars for ten minutes. I would have preferred that you like just said Hey, we need more money to pay to make this game happen. Here's a crowdfunding link, or here's yeah. a pre-order button. With when if you do this pre-order, you get special bonuses. Ground zeros. Yeah, ground zeros. Um, but like, I can under like part of it was also he wanted people to have a a, a chance to to play a little bit of the game. It feels like Ground Zeroes was supposed to be a demo, but then Konami went, no, 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 you're going to charge money for this. Mm. Especially because he made, a, also around the same time, Kojima made a fully-fledged, really deep demo, PT. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about PT, but that was like a huge deal when it happened. Yeah, yeah, that was Kojima. He was like, that's the thing he's been kind of he was doing at the time was like, oh, let's give the players something to kind of give them a feel for what the game's going to be like. He hasn't done it for Death Stranding, I think partially because he wants to keep the story of Death Stranding so locked up. Hmm. Yeah, what have you been playing with? Uh, I didn't get the chance to play any video games this week, but I did mess with a good few new Transformers. I got, uh, 2000... New Transformers or new to you Transformers? New to me Transformers. Mm. New Transformers aren't a thing I do that much anymore, as you can probably tell. Um, but, uh, I got, uh, 07 Movie Barricade, or Bone Crusher. I I have Barricade already, I don't know why I said him. Um, but... Wow, that is a beautiful mess of a toy. <laughs> yeah, that always seems to kind of be the thing with the movie burst toys. Like, if they're good, it's a good mess, and you kind of have to like the mess to go with it. Yeah, and like, it's a, it's it's an interesting story with that toy for me because that's that highway chase scene with Barricade and or stop saying Barricade, damn it, Bone Crusher and Optimus Prime. It, that scene from the movie is like etched into my brain that was the most memorable scene to me seeing the movie as a kid because yes that movie came out when i was 10 years old i know you feel old now shut up um and but i never knew a toy of bone crusher existed and i really wanted one for a long time but i just never saw it and then few did a drunken review of that toy and I was like, holy shit, it does exist. And then, like, a few days later, the Studio Series one and the third-party one got announced. And I was like, ooh, I have options. And I've, I've almost bought the Studio Series one four or five times because it does look really nice. But given my recent trend towards not liking new figures, I was like, I'm, I'm going to hold out and see if, because I found this... I found that local toy store. I'm going to hold out and see if they have a bone crusher or if one shows up in the next month or so. And lo and behold, one showed up and it is, it is just ridiculous. That thing. Cause like the robot mode has almost no playability to it. And it doesn't look very screen accurate, 
but the vehicle mode is just so cool and i love the giant ridiculous claw and the transformation strikes that perfect movie balance of like kind of complex but also everything you're doing feels really fun yeah um and then i got uh energon deluxe snowcat uh which is not a figure I've ever been super interested in, but it happened to also be in the case at Toy Federation that day and was complete. So I was like, yeah, why not? I need him for the Unicron Trilogy collection. He's basically a Decepticon version of Energon Inferno. I was shocked at how similar the engineering is. Um, the only thing he's missing is like a giant arm missile launcher, but he, ha- but he has giant shoulder rocket launchers. So again really really similar and it's hilarious to me that a robot that generically designed and like that does honestly look kind of badass in the face is a reformatting of armada cyclonus that's most known for yodeling in the show yeah yeah well um and then just today in the mail i um i got from the ebays a complete Cybertron Scout Class Scattershot, um, which is kind of a big deal for me because uh, it's a toy that was one of my number one guys as a kid. And uh, for a long time, um, I was like slowly losing pieces to him and eventually just got rid of him because he he was missing almost everything. Um, And I've been been wanting him and a couple of other very specific guys back recently. So I decided to hop on eBay and see if I could find any of them for under $10. And I found him and two other guys who aren't here yet. And uh, I got to say, I I, I forgot, like, just how great of a simplistic little scout he is. Like, he's got the gimmick. He's got a... He's got this great characterful sculpt and... His vehicle mode is super unique. The transformation is really fun. This is honestly, like, even without the nostalgia, I think this is one of the best Cybertron toys I've handled so far. So I definitely recommend him if you haven't picked him up, especially because when you talk about Cybertron Scattershot, a lot of people tend to think of, like, the... I can't remember if it was an Ultra or Voyager, but, like, the big one with the guns hidden in its arms... Um, a lot of pe- a lot of people tend to think of that one, but uh, the the little scout version that came first is honestly just as good and a little more fun to me. So That's uh, good. I, I I'd say uh, a decent decent haul this week. That's good. That's good for you, man. Yeah, but uh, that brings us to the end of our podcast. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, plug all your Boingo Rider shit? All right, then. Oh, oh, shit. Are you okay? 30 milliliters of gin. 15 milliliters. Herring cherry liqueur. 15 milliliters. Control. 120 milliliters. Pineapple juice. 15 milliliters. Fresh lime juice. 10 milliliters grenadine, two to three drops of Augusta bitters, the perfect Singapore sling. Oh, Oh, Boingo. I'll always remember you, man. You were a great co-host. It's going to be hard to replace you. 
But um, while I'm working on that, all of you should pay your respects to Chris by subscribing to Modular Media, downloading our podcast from the Google Drive link where there's MP3s. It's in the video description. Follow us on Twitter at the Modular Media for updates on the podcast and subscribe to our subreddit, r slash Modular Media. I'll see you next time when I guess me and someone else will be talking about the 2005 Garb series.